ACR Homes has essential jobs and internships for students. Find peace of mind and job security with their flexible and rewarding part-time jobs by caring for the needs of people who have disabilities. Because ACR Homes offers paid training, your compassion for others and desire to make a difference is more important than your previous experience. To apply, contact University Office at acrhomes.com or visit their website at www.acrhomes.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Megan Germanson. I'm Yoko Voot, an intern for The Daily. And you're listening to In the Know, a podcast by the Minnesota Daily. So last Friday, The Daily had its annual First Amendment celebration. And this year, like everything else these days, it's held over Zoom. The celebration centers around the five freedoms protected by the First Amendment. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and the right to peacefully assemble and petition the government for redress of grievances. And in today's special episode, we edited highlights from our panel with Daniela Kunkolinares, John Kipper, and Olivia House. These young activists join us to have an open dialogue about the freedom of petition, the power of protest, and the impacts of the summer of unrest. I think this has forced a lot of introspection. It's just a lot of soul searching and trying to find the like in end purpose or the light at the end of the tunnel and a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Here's John Kipper, a first year student at Mitchell Hamlin School of Law. John was involved in advocating for the removal of a racist professor and he helped create a department of ethnic studies at Augsburg. And at the same time, just keeping that bigger picture and historical picture in mind that while these are challenging times, these are the same issues that we've constantly faced generation after generation. And I think now, and with the presence of social media, being able to spread messages so much quicker and faster, it's a lot harder to not look. And while it's really tough to constantly have to see black people being killed, especially black women killed every day, and then the news and media cycles, it's, it's forcing us to consider, at least like it's forcing me to consider and look within and, and start thinking about how to be more proactive as an individual, and then both how to support a community as well. Yeah, I have to agree. That's Olivia House. She's also a recent Augsburg graduate with a degree in graphic design. In the past few years, Olivia has been active in student organizing, mutual aid efforts, protests following the police killing of George Floyd, movements to abolish the police, and her artwork has been displayed on murals and banners at numerous protests. It's been a summer of trying to figure out how to heal or like how to deal with trauma a day-to-day trauma and like heal from that so I can like actually live and that that's been tough and so that's why um art has been a really big part of what I've been doing this summer and since then because it's both like really powerful and impactful and I can see that and it's also just really healing as well especially the mural work that I've been doing it's been healing um but it's also been tough like I I was hired for my first post-grad job and um in the midst of all this and it's 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 hard to imagine going to work and working for these corporations on these projects that seem so 
minimal because as soon as I clock out, I'm going to a protest or I'm designing posters for it or going to paint a mural and it just it just makes my day seem I don't know like like the work that I do is just not meaningful so that's been hard to reconcile that and um to like figure that out within myself how do I make a living and also like feel good about the work I do and so it's it's been a tough summer and like John said a lot of introspection and um trying to figure out where we go from here I just want to say thank you, Olivia, for your, like, honesty and how difficult it is because, like, I think youth activism is always, like, oh, look how cool youth are, but, like, it's exhausting for youth, especially when they're not given the same resources that, like, huge nonprofits and organizations in the Twin Cities are given. This is Daniela. She's a fourth-year student at the University of Minnesota. And this past summer, along with other former Bloomington alum and current students, she formed the Bloomington Anti-Racist Coalition. Their mission is to create anti-racist changes in Bloomington public schools, like developing a more inclusive curriculum and removing school law enforcement officers. The youth are doing so much more like than I ever thought they were doing. Um, and they're capable of so much. Like it's empowering to be able to see that from people who are younger than me and people who are around my same age. It's empowering to see how much they're able to do, but it's also just like, it is sad that like they weren't able to have like a normal summer. No, totally, Daniela, actually. You hit a really good point in that um, like youth and largely black youth didn't have a chance to have like a normal summer. And, you know, like I talked to people, they're like, oh, like we were able to go to the cabin for a couple weekends and things like that when like, none of the youth of color I know were able to do that. And they still had to, you know, enroll in school in the semester. And so that's been an interesting thing to look at um, after this summer too, is uh, that we're just forced to go into these everyday lives um, and aren't, aren't supported in that way. There's not a lot of resources out there for us to do that successfully. So um, I'm just really hoping that schools start to understand that and that students are given resources to kind of process everything that happened this summer. I'm kind of curious about social media and what you all think about the sort of social media activism. I also want to ask Olivia too, as a designer, there were so many um, infographic explainers. I was seeing them constantly, you know, on social media. So I'm curious what you all think about social media activism and, you know, maybe the effectiveness of those explainers? Totally. I, I have mixed emotions about it. Um, it was exciting for me as a designer to see like these graphics become so popular and so informative and so important. Um, it was just a way of, you know, seeing how like the power of design um, because, you know, the better design the graphic, obviously, and the easier to read it, like the more it's shared um, and the more information that's spread. So I thought that was huge. And especially in the midst of the protests and like being on the ground, like that was a huge way to spread resources and information and numbers, like all of that. It was huge. And I think like during that first week, I spent, I don't even want to say how many hours on social media each day. It was a lot, like over a third of my day, um, just because, yeah, it was like the easiest and the best way to spread information. 
but then there's the other side of that coin where like misinformation was easily spread like performative activism was huge with that i i think it's great uh we just have to be mindful of how we use it yeah i would agree with that i think um seeing things like on instagram and twitter it's so easy to consume so there's like often not enough time to like really reflect on what it is that you're consuming or who is putting out the information or where they got their information from so i think i kind of agree with olivia where that was like frustrating just seeing some of the misinformation was going on but in those like first two weeks it was just like so incredible seeing how much information could be shared on an Instagram story and like in a way that like Instagram and like TikTok never imagined their platforms being used. And I am like so grateful for Instagram this summer because like we made our Instagram page for the Bloomington Anti-Racist Coalition saying that we were like looking to get SROs removed from our school, the school resource officers, the police force out of our schools. And then we started following like other pages from around the suburbs of the Twin Cities and then across the state of Minnesota. And we were all able to like get in contact because of that. And now we're able to work as a coalition together. That would have never happened without these Instagram accounts that we all made so that we could tell people from our high schools like what we were working on. So I think like seeing that and like the coalitions that have been able to be built from social media has been really powerful also. Hey want to qualify anything I'm going to say with I'm a Luddite and I just have like a personal account where I just have like a couple friends. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really, it was a good way of like making sure people were safe or being able to check in, especially with in the initial. And then as we got into like June and July, it was really frustrating because I'm from Bloomington and just seeing so many of the Bloomington kids post a black square and then go to a cabin and then complain about having to wear a mask and just how it became a way for them to be like, okay, racism solved, we can move on now mm-hmm. without being able to grasp the full brevity of the situation was is something that's really frustrating, especially to go back to the issue of like black youth where black youth fully understand what's going on. And the notion that like with social media seemingly like diminishing that and saying that like, oh, the kids are too young to understand I think that's something that's one of the downsides of social media is that it can be used to undercut how much the youth can truly understand what's going on. Going back to you, John, um, going back to your time at Augsburg, um, you know, what kind of challenges did you face as a student there um, as you push for the removal of the racist professor that was there? And if you could just talk about what happened with that situation um, and if you experienced any pushback or if you had support with that? Yeah, I think the biggest issue to mention first and foremost is that the women of color were unanimously targeted with backlash and a close friend ended up with a acute stress syndrome and a GI disorder from it. And the huge issue with that is that it just really showed that for a lot of professors, issues of race are in this realm of hypothetical. Whereas for a lot of non-white students, this is very much a lived reality where we can't remove ourselves and say like, well, hypothetically, the N-word should be allowed to use because X, Y, and Z when we're still living with day-to-day consequences. And something that like stuck with me the most from dealing with that professor is just having to fight so many like seemingly dead tropes 
when they just re-manifested in more microaggressive behaviors instead of overt racism. We asked the panel about facing adversity as young activists and what kinds of challenges they've experienced. Olivia talked about how she often feels that older generations aren't taking young activists seriously. Like we're sitting learning about the civil rights movement and comparing it to things happening today. And it's like so much has changed since then and also so little. And we're just fed up about it. And I think we are valid in thinking that we can change this country because we can. And so that's that's been adversity for sure is these old people in power um, who have been for so long trying to convince them. And honestly, that convincing is huge with our peers, with our family, with our friends, like trying to convince them to see our humanity and see us as we wholly are and how these things affect us. And yeah, just trying to convince people to care. Um, it's hard. And like, I understand that like the generation before, like they have kids, they have families, they have to think about that, but it's just so frustrating to be working so hard towards something and to have so many people just not care. And I, I just think that's, that's the hardest thing to come out of this is that even they can watch that video of George Floyd being killed and still be like, well, I don't know, like, what are we going to do without the police? That, it, it just blows my mind. And yeah, that's, that's just half the battle every day. Like half of it is just trying to convince and show people that say that they care about you to care about the issues that affect you. And finally, we wanted to know what gives them hope. Hopefully there won't need to be a next generation of students that have to go through what we did. But at the same time, just like being able to go to a four-year university and be able to meet people like Olivia and other people on campus who have such different paths on life and to intersect at that one moment and then go forth into the world and to still be connected not only through activism work, but as like friends and be able to socialize and to still reconnect. I think that's what gives me hope. Yeah, so similar to John, I would say like the community that's been built around all of this. And then also through social media, like we're so connected. So like John was saying, like we, we're hoping that the next generation doesn't have to go through what we do. And I think they won't because like, we're gonna be here, we're gonna have their backs and like, we're gonna grow up and, make sure that this this is still happening like through everything so that really gives me hope and yeah I would say like honestly this summer has been really hopeful through the uprisings I think the uprisings and like seeing everything night after night that gives me hope because we are taking a stand and saying that like we're not going to be dismissed this time yeah, I'm just going to say basically the same thing that Olivia and John have said, like, just meeting people who, like, in our lives intersect at this one moment, and it doesn't just have to be this one moment, like, we can take this beyond just the work that we have been able to do together this summer. For me, like, reconnecting with some of my old friends from Bloomington, who I hadn't talked to since, like, fourth grade, was so nice, because now we can, like, have a friendship, um, because because of what we were able to do this summer, just, I think the youth give me a lot of hope that they continue to show up every day 
while they continue to be dismissed. Um, it's just, it's really powerful. As we've learned from our panelists, there is power in using your voice and there's power in our right to protest. Thank you to all of our panelists and all of you who join in our annual First Amendment Celebration Zoomcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Music in today's episode was provided by Folger Studios.